Look, it's impossible for me to talk to a psychiatrist. Go on. Hello, world. I'm back in New York. Bonjour. Actually, bonsoir. It's 8.25 p.m. in Manhattan. Sorry for no episode last week. You know what, honey? I was in Paris, okay? I loved it. I had the best time. Oh, my God. And I was really inspired. One of my closest friends from New York moved to Paris a couple years ago, and he's a creative director of an incredible fashion house, and he's totally taken his talent and his vision and created such a beautiful, incredible um, line of work and a legacy already that is just so beautiful and amazing. And it's just really cool when you know someone and they dream about something and you sit around talking about it forever and, you know, then it happens and then everybody got to just, we had these beautiful dinners and, and Daniel's family was there and we all just like, Really, there was just a lot of love and a lot of generosity and a lot of um, like uh, imagination in the room. And just like really, I met people that I was really um, inspired by coming back here. Love it. Love New York. Always going to be a piece of my heart. But I've been marinating on on changing things up for a little. So I do feel even more clear about that. But we'll see one moment at a time. If I got great work here, I'd stay. But I'm open to going too. We will see. All right, so let's get into the episode. I'm interviewing a psychotherapist, licensed clinical social worker, and friend of mine named Raina Murphy. And I'm talking to her about a book I recently finished and then wrote about for Pure Wow. Um, when I talked to my editor about this book I was reading, she was like, this is, this is good for an article. Essentially, it's about these three type of attachment styles that people can have, and they're formed in your early infanthood, really. And it creates this like template for you to navigate the world with. So there's anxiously attached, securely attached, and avoidant attached. Um, so they're kind of like, you know how people have, um, well, I guess like even astrological signs or things like Myers-Briggs tests, like any of these kind of um, identifiers that we have that sort of like explain and organize people into groups so that we can relate to ourselves and each other better. There's something very endearing about that impulse to me. So in this interview, we're going to touch on, you know, the questions around like, you know, is it possible that there's only three ways to relate to people? What is an attachment style? How is it formed and kind of change? How real is it? How seriously do we need to take these sort of zeitgeisty kind of things and then well, how much of it is pop culture and how much of therapy memes are real? Like, what what, what, what the hell is going on? That's really the, the center of the question, isn't it? Well, without further ado, here is my interview with Raina Murphy on attachment styles. Okay. <laughs> and I have so many feelings and thoughts. And, like, I really wanted to speak to somebody with experience in talking to people all the time about these kinds of subjects. And I really, and someone who has studied it and like really can see it from a specific point of view. That's not just all of us that are reading and experiencing online. A, a thousand percent. I feel like everybody 
and their mother and father have read that book. Yes. And have self-diagnosed and diagnosed their partner, partners. Yeah. So this is a great conversation to like bring it into like, what does this actually look like in the, yes. in the real world, in life, as from a therapist perspective, you know, from a human perspective, because I am not immune, right? I, I have attachment issues as we all do. Also, I was just thinking it's like being like living in this world today where there's so much insecurity for so many, I mean, for all of us, but particular, particularly certain folks, um, it, it's, it's an insecure world. So yeah, we all have attachment issues. Yeah. I was thinking, so I wanted to, it's funny you said that, that we all have attachment issues and it's an insecure world because I was thinking like all babies are needy. Thousands. <laughs> okay. Inherently they need, they need, they have needs and the caregiver relationship is the template for us to build our relationships on. Right. So, um, first I wanted to, maybe we can just talk a little bit about attachment theory. Um, something I was thinking about is connection versus independence and the spectrum of pain that comes with having both of those things, <laughs> connection and independence. So first, maybe we could just go over briefly, just the attachment, um, styles. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so I think in, in, po- in popular culture, we have securely attached. Um, and what that means is that somebody is able to, um, be in connection and be separate, be in connection with someone or someones um, in, in a, uh, and, and feel self-regulated and feel calm and um, secure in that connection and also continue to feel secure in that connection when they go out in the world and are independent from that said connection. And they're able to function and feel supported with the presence, kind of an internalized sense of that person or that connection spans across you know, time and space. Um, this is the ideal. This is what we all want. Um, this is this is what, and, and also it feels important to say like at different stages and different connections, like we can have this secure attachment. It's not just like a fix. Like I'm a securely attached person. Look at me, I've made it. No, it's like an ongoing practice. Yeah, um, I've noticed that it can come and go like everything else. Like everything else. <laughs> and then there's um classic anxious classic anxious so yeah so um gener- generally i feel like this this comes up like when the object of attachment i'm saying objects is like a person because i think you know people have different relationship configurations right they have a partner multiple partners this is can happen with close friends and family members like it happens with anybody we love really it's like anybody we love and so um an anxious an anxiously attached state would look like not being able to feel comfortable in proximity or separate from 
the loved, uh, that loved person. Feeling anxious, not being able to trust, say we're here together, uh, Angelica, and I am in your presence, you know, we have a connection and I am just not able to fully relax and trust our connection. So I'm thinking like, oh my God, when is this connection going to end? I just, does Angelica hate me? Um, what am I, I might do something wrong that's going to upset her. And then she's not going to want to be in my life anymore. We're never going to have interviews. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or also like when I'm separate from you being like thinking about you, you know, oh my God, what did I say? I said something so wrong. I, I, I'm just judging, you know, why, why did I do that? She must, she's never going to want to talk to me again. So that's never like a, there's never like an understanding of like, oh no, we're good. We're yeah. okay. We totally. can just chill and have this conversation. Yeah. I, I, and it feels like a lot of it, it, what I'm, what I'm hearing there too, is just like so much is like unaddressed. <laughs> And like, so then the natural needs that we all have, they are sort of like, um, I I feel like they're like, there's no container. So it's all out. I love that. The natural needs that we all have. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of afraid to, it's everything's internalized, afraid to some, well, I think also an anxious attachment, sometimes that does spill over into behavior right? I might be like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you like me? Do you know, like, are are you okay? Are we okay? Constantly questioning the connection. Yeah, for sure. I haven't heard, I haven't heard from you in five minutes. Like, are we okay? Right. Like I sent that text to you like 10 minutes ago. Like, you know, you just wrote K. Are we we good? (laughs) Why did you send that emoji? It's so easy. They make it really easy right now in our world with the way communication is, and you can see who reads what and who's typing and when it really can prey on that. And there is a nature nurture thing that I would love to investigate there, you know, but yeah, so avoidant. Okay. I love, I, I, I love me an avoidant. I love me an avoidant person, partner, um, uh, patient. <laughs> um, they're so fun. <laughs> As it, I, I think I, I tend to, I mean, I think we all have different parts of ourselves that are more anxious, that where our anxious attachment and our avoidant attachment kind of get activated, but just for the sake of simplicity. Um, so what avoidant attachment would look like is, and we didn't really get into the childhood dynamic of like how it, how it is created, but I'm just thinking like, an overly intrusive or bearing caretaker. Um, One that has like a caretaker that has a lot of needs from their child Um, and a a way to fend off that overwhelm is to kind of numb and shut down and um, withdraw into their own world. So, what that can look like in adulthood is say like we're in a relationship and you're like I you say something like really vulnerable that's like I feel like I'm really falling in love with you or I really care you know maybe even saying like expressing a need that we were saying before like a normal need like when you didn't call me earlier I got anxious 
for an avoidant, the, that perception of that need is so, and they might may or may, may or may not be conscious of this, but it's so much. It's like your need is way too much. It doesn't include my needs. It's so, it's, it's just, I'm just going to like pull away and kind of leave you alone with it. Really. It can, it can feel, you know, it's like, you know, when they use the term, which I don't love with the gaslighting, it's like generally people who gaslight are people who cannot recognize their own, you know, they're not going to be able to, to engage in a um, constructive, vulnerable dialogue. They're more apt to withdraw. Um, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it really does. And I think that that's the most mysterious. Well, they're all myster- mysterious, but first, what I want to say is classically, you know, with energetics, it's like yang and yang, positive, negative, what you're not getting, you want, right? So we all magnetize to one another and we're seeking what we don't, we're like lighthouses. I feel like, like, seek. we're looking and we want to like, sometimes it's what we aren't that we want to see. And sometimes we want to see our mirror and it's all very fluid and flexible. And I've seen myself be all of these things in different ways, in different dynamics between work, intimate relationships and friends and all in between. Um, yeah. A, a comment, because I think what is big right now in trauma theory um, is this concept of disorganized attachment, mm. which um, it is kind of a, uh, it is more of the fluid, you know, sometimes avoidant, sometimes anxious, sometimes secure. Um, but, uh, you know, s- someone who, um, is very unpredictable in their attachment styles. And I, and I actually, that come from relationship trauma, whether that's when younger or in adulthood, um, but it can produce kind of this like rubber band effect where sometimes someone can present as being there and being vulnerable and being available. And then, you know, they kind of get triggered in some way and they like pull away and they're, you know, ghost ghosting. Um, I think that is really being looked at right now amongst a lot of people who are interested in trauma theory, a lot of clinicians. So just wanted to throw that out yeah. there. Yeah, it is. And then there, like, there's definitely that. And then there's also like something that I took away from reading this book was I was like, there's just this dance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm saying is, do, does isn't it sort of the nature of relationships for it to change and be fluid with what you're being met with and who you are in that moment or yes I I I think this template of attachment is useful to a degree but I do think that we are all fluid and capable of reacting in any of these ways um depending on the circumstance yeah is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, yeah. What it could be useful, what could be useful is to actually identify all of these within yourself so that 
in a moment of like naming a moment of secure attachment, because I think in order for us to be alive, there has to be some form of secure attachment, right? Babies need to attach to survive and thrive. So us as adults, like we got here because of attachment. Um, maybe it was like shoddy or in, many of us imperfect attachment, but, mm -hmm. um, but still a, a secure attachment nonetheless. So I think, I guess what I'm getting at is like identifying your own um, anxious, atta anxiously attached part of you, learning and identifying your own avoidant attachment, learning and identifying your own secure and kind of being able to notice in the moment of like, oh, my avoidant is coming up right now. I'm noticing this. I mean, mm -hmm. awareness is fucking key. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And when you see yourself and others with eyes of compassion and you realize that that what you just said about the awareness, that's not something that can happen overnight in it, you know, so, you know, I've had in the, for me, my most painful experiences have been where I was anxious and, um, you have an example. Yeah. I think that like a lot of life is like, you know, especially in the entertainment industry, it's like, am I going to get it? When will it come? They string you along, you get the offer, they pull it away. Similar in dating with templates, similar with things like real estate, my friends that are looking to buy or rent. And there's like this stringing along process. Like a lot of life is, is in the waiting room. I'd say. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, so there's a lot in, as far as what I've experienced so far, you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that, um, in New York too, where it's like kind of the ultimate fuck boy relationship where it's like, maybe one day, maybe it'll be, you'll get that place and you'll get that thing and you'll meet that one. And there's a lot of cat and mouse. Well, one question that did come up for me was like dealing with someone who only wants to connect when you disconnect, like what the hell do you do with that? <sighs> No, that is, <laughs> well, okay. So avoidant attachment comes to mind, right? Mm -hmm. This is my, this is my understanding. Need, a, a need from somebody else, any need overwhelms that person. Mm. So by with, withdrawing, removing yourself, so, with, by removing yourself, it, it, it gives that person, I mean that this fictional person, but like it gives space for that person to think, feel mm -hmm. what they want, what they feel where in the presence of that other person, they're unable to, because they're so preoccupied with the need of that other person. Um, and I'm really trying like, I don't really want to talk about this in a monogamous way because I think it's, it's again, with all, I, I'm thinking of romantic partners, but I think people can have multiple partners. Um, but yeah, just, just a person, a love. Again, it's like, it really comes down to love. Like, yes, it really comes down to love and we all want it. And I think it actually exists more than many of us want to acknowledge people that per whoever you're talking about that becomes like interested when you walk away, like they have work to do, mm -hmm. do your work. 
if you're realizing that like, you know, you can only access your own feelings and desires when that person is not in your life, like that's an issue to look at. Yeah. And like, you know, and also like, are you living in fantasy of that person? Because when that person was right in front of you and they were like living, breathing, you know, eating shit, <laughs> like yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't interact, like step, step up to the plate, do your work, go right. to therapy. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I really, that's a great segue into the aspect of like, you know, therapy meme culture and Instagram being super zeitgeisty when it, well, obviously that's the whole purpose of it, but like, so attachment styles have become part of our cultural zeitgeist, often presenting in Instagram memes. What do you think of some of the, what do you think are some of the helpful and harmful aspects when it comes to social media and mental health terminology? That's a big question. Big question. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I also like the way you word things. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, helpful and harmful. I mean, I'll start with the helpful. Um, right. Like it brings in these terms. It gets people to think about um, terminology um think about their mental health it brings mental health into the zeitgeist right so people are more i think like people are more apt to talk about therapy getting therapy wanting therapy seeking therapy than i think ever and i think that you know that this this social media culture meme culture like really um uh, supports that maybe that's about the extent of how useful it is it's like don't get your therapy from a meme because yeah. also what's happening is these terms, like, um, I don't want to say this, like the meaning of these terms, the power and substance of these terms gets collapsed and like, like pancaked, like in, and, and two-dimensional. Yes. It's like, we're not, we're losing a reflective capacity, which is so, 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 so important to have in, 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 you know, when I think when I think of mental health, I think of the ability to um, reflect on yourself, others, the world around you, to be in a state of reflection, to not be in a state of activation. Um, and I think some of these, you know, I mean, you can get high going through like Instagram, right? It's like, it's such a, it's such a, um, it can be such a, such a drug, like, oh, toxic. Oh, gaslight. Oh, anxious. Waited. Oh, oh, oh. See, I saw this and this means this. It's like, there's so many assumptions that can be made and the meaning of, of these infographics collapse. They lose their, they lose their efficacy. They, they, they lose their usefulness. Um, and, um, it kind of feels good when you see one that like hits in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? When you're going, oh, yeah. like, oh that meme hits. Like, it's like, ah, like the narcissist, you know, it's like, yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah, but, totally. Yeah. And I think that like, when it, when it's really connecting to you, then you like it. And then it gives you more of that. So it's really right. tricky. You know what? Like, you know, and there's a, Yes. Yes. I think you're, you're, that's really, it feeds into, some, it's a, it's a, it is a narcissistic. It, also, 
I think it's important to know we all, we, there, there's a healthy level of narcissism. Wow. Can you talk about that? <laughs> it's a vilified, it's a vilified word. It really is. Don't at me, whoever, but it's <laughs> like, don't come for me. But it, I mean, we need healthy egos. We like, we need healthy egos to function and survive and move through the world, move through this chaotic, um, bloodthirsty world. Like we need to be able to protect ourselves and a healthy ego helps with that. Um, I, I think, you know, we all have narcissistic needs, right? We like, that just means a need. Like I, like I have a need, my need is narcissistic. Right. It's the end. It's, it's when somebody is incapable of putting themselves into the shoes of somebody else, into the mind of somebody else is able to reflect on another person's perspective. That's when it becomes a problem, right? When they're only thinking from their perspective and they cannot, they, and their needs, they can't conceptualize another person's need. Right. And then there's like a lot of irony there when you, when it looks nice, like sometimes people aren't acknowledging another person's need and they're smothering and it looks like they're being really loving, but actually they're not listening. They're just not listening. And it's like, no, if, if it feels wrong, if it, if it doesn't feel right in that way, yeah, it's not even looks nice, but it doesn't feel nice. Like, right. Because sometimes things look, I'm a really big fan of like, um, thinking about how like tables turn and nothing is really always what it looks like, at least in my own life. Like there's been times where things, you know, classically it's the E true Highwood story. It's like everything when it looks really great can, can really hurt, you know, at the same time. And sometimes there's been times where like on paper, I'm not doing great. And I'm like, but I'm happy because I actually am touching a new depth that now has made me more empathetic and understanding towards other people. Like, I love that. I love, I love how you're saying like, there's a healthy sense of having and taking back sort of our autonomy and which can seem narcissistic sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gift too. Um, yeah. Having needs at all feels embarrassing in our, sometimes for me, um, but I also think like culturally, like maybe especially with America, American dream, like everything's like, wow, this individual rose to the top and really did it all alone. And it's so cool. And I'm kind of like really shedding that. I mean, my, my, my experience in the last few years has been very much shedding that. And like the people that I know that are the most um, fulfilled creatively are people who ask and, and say like, Hey, like, like, listen, they listen, I'm back to listening. Like they listen to what is happening around them. And I think the interesting thing that I really got from this book was like effective communication about whatever the hell is true for you is so cool because then you can be like, it's really true for me that I need like two days to be able to answer this text. (laughs) But just letting that person know your truth without being embarrassed can open up that door for the other person to not care if it takes two days or deal with how they care about it on their own. But at least they have the info. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a gift. Giving the info. Yeah. Yeah. The info. Giving the info. When you need space, giving the info. Yeah. It's like, take your space. get, Get your need met. 
get your knee met, honey. Like go do whatever you need to do, but like let someone know. Yeah. You're yeah. going to change the script. Let them know what's up. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, um, I have one question here that is, I'm like, do, is there such thing as looking too inward with this kind of thing? Is that possible? <laughs> Love that question. Um, yeah, sometimes, well, I can just even speak from myself. I've gotten, I've been in phases, I've probably my twenties, twenties are hard, you know? It's so confusing, like trying to establish your values and understand who you are and who you want to be and where you're going. And if you, you know, want to continue being on this earth, like unfortunately, a lot of, mm. you know, a lot of people don't make it through their twenties. It's like grim, but it it's true. Um, it's it's a very trying time. Saturn return. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think you can, one can become so fixated on trying to understand themselves or their feelings. It can be very isolating. Um, uh, it can be, um, yeah, I just remember being so, remember there was a time where like every interaction that I would have, I think, cause I was somebody who like, couldn't, you know, I'm somebody who loses my needs in relationship to other people. If I have a big personality, I mean, I'm a therapist. So it's like, I'm really good at locating the need in, in another, it's a skill. And in my personal life doesn't work so hot, right? So what I, what, what I went through, I went through this phase of like being in interaction and like withdrawing completely to like go inward and trying to identify like, what is my need? What do I feel? And it was actually just too much. It was, it was too much. It was too, it was rigid. Um, I was afraid um, and, you know, it was like, I would do these exercises um, of like writing things down and just like journaling about like, what did I feel? What did I think? Um, what am I mad about? What did I, you know, just doing like a lot of self inventory and, um, and it just kind of kept me, it was a pretty rigid ex existence. So I, I that is an example of an extreme of like doing too much within. Yeah. I was afraid of getting into messes also. Like, Me too. yeah. And it's important, I think. Actually, life is messy, but it's important to go into the mess with a sense, with like a sense of self protection, but not protection that like ices somebody out. It's like, mm. how to be a self with other selves. Totally. And I, I, I relate exactly to what you're saying. And the deep desire there is to feel better. So it's innocent. So everything's innocent, but it's so innocent. Yeah. It's so innocent to be like, I'm going to control and manage even my wellness so that nothing bad will happen to me because I'm scared, you know? And like, I really, yeah, I really relate to that. And letting go has been good and alchemizing the parts of myself that I vilified, you know, um, thought were bad or that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think doing that for others too is cool. Like letting, letting them also have parts that are difficult and not throwing them away. Yes. Yeah. 
I'm working on that. It's really easy for me actually to to be like, you are not being nice to me. Blocked, gone, cut off. Like my serenity is the most important thing. And actually I'm not really into that anymore the same way. You know what? It's okay to have a dysregulated nervous system. Sometimes it's okay to be in conflict. And you know what? Conflict feels bad and conflict doesn't resolve itself always within a single conversation. So you stay feeling bad for a little while while you're working on it to eventually repair the conflict. But it can take, I mean, I just, yeah, I just had this conflict with a somebody so somebody that I'm in a, 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 con, a contract with and, um, and there was a, a gross miscommunication. Um, I felt very hurt by the way that they were speaking to me. It was, de- I felt demoralized. And in, in, even if I kind of showed somebody else, you know, the, the message that they had sent, they'd be like, Ooh, that was pretty shaming. Um, but I was like, I care about this person. I care about our relationship. I want to navigate this. And so for like four days, it was, you know, I would think about it and feel filled with dread and angst and just like, and confusion, but also like, let me think about how I want to approach this. Um, And it was just in a process with that person and we resolved it. Um, But it took four days and I felt awful. (laughs) I'm really glad that experience is being talked about nuance, obviously. And, um, time are difficult things that are only typically like translated so powerfully through like music and and movies I feel like like the passage of time and like you know it's in a lot of books too where there's like two things or many things existing at once in one relationship and the way that it's written or the way that it's shown in in an expression in in the arts is usually the way that I feel the most seen and connected to because I'm like yeah exactly like she's horny and mad (laughs) or you know Totally. Yeah. Or like he hates, he's jealous and he doesn't want to be with her. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just feel like so connected to art right now, as far as like a truly a therapeutic form. I mean, nature too, but like art right now is really hitting for me because it's people's, you know, um, they're, they're channeling something through and then they're doing something that is, is typically open for interpretation, just like this reality is. And many things exist at once. And I think that it's very um, healing as far as not judging yourself and being so black and white, you know? Totally. What are you into right now? Um, Well, I I was just in Paris. So I saw a lot of like, um, like my, my friend mate put out um, he did a show and he did like, he, he's a creative director for this incredible, like design house. And he was like doing some really big swings that were super earnest in his work that were just really aligned with who he is. And I just watched all of it shamelessly being like the lack of shame in the work and the boldness. Really. I was like, it was earnest. And then the room felt that way. And the music was that way. And the lighting was that way. And it wasn't aware of itself too much. And I, I don't know, I found that to be really cool. And then also just in like expressionist paintings that I saw, there was also like a lot of depth there and lightness at the same time, which really, I I really relate to and I needed. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, 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 like two things, two contradicting things existing at the same time Two or like two different, two opposed, seemingly opposing needs, um, feelings, 
um, it all existing. Like art does that. Art can kind of take like you, yeah, like you said. I think you you it's, said it. It's the best, and music too. Lyrics, music too. the generosity that's a, that is really coming through mm. when the lyrics are really true, but also the actual sound is giving you know, you something. It's just right now, that is really what I'm, I'm, I'm making and doing. And I like even part of recording this is like, I'm just really interested right now. And like, to be honest, and this ties into like sort of my last question, creating a secure relationship with me, me, like with my own self mm-hmm. is like so cool to me. And like really doing that and being like, what's my relationship with me like and following through with myself. I think that has a lot to do with like spending that money on that ticket and letting it be okay, you know, or um, going on dates and like just saying, I want to go when I want to go, or I want to stay when I want to stay. And it's not what it looked like before. And it's something I might've walked away from in the past, but I'm kind of like, I can survive it. I'm secure. Um, It's more fun. What I want to say, I love that. And I think part of creating a secure attachment with oneself is being able to tolerate uncomfortable moments, to be able to tolerate shame, to be able to tolerate embarrassment, tolerate anger, tolerate anxiety, um, and kind of trusting, trusting that you can navigate these feelings um, and that they pass. I feel like, you know, and not shutting down around them. Uh, collapsing around them. Um, I love that term. I love the term collapsing. And we want to like open it up. We want to open everything up. We want things to breathe, including our relationship to ourselves and our feelings. So like, even like buying that ticket or, you know, going on the, you know, you might feel while your, your, your sense of your intuition is like, this is good for me. You might also feel like, I'm nervous. Did I overspend or did I, you know, all those other accompanying feelings and just kind of holding it with compassion, like you said, and just being like, okay, they can all exist. And I'm still going on this trip and like we can do, okay. Yeah. Maybe it is like kind of working with yourself, working with yourself. Yeah. Inner selves. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. The relationship to the self is so it's such a, and also I just want to like really be clear that it is such an honor, honor and a privilege to be working through the places in life to even get to a point where this is even a conversation that's being had. Of course, of course. Like you can only do this if you're feeling like you have your basic needs met. If you're not, if there are, you know, you don't feel like the country is, is like out for you, mm-hmm. like or people are out for you because of how you look or how you present. It's like, it's hard to do this work when you're feeling on basically unsafe, which so many people do. I mean, and obviously acknowledging we're both white, we're both, you know, female presenting. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's. Yes, absolutely. So in my own way, sometimes when I am doing this work, I'm like, it makes me more useful in the big picture too, not just now, but like whatever legacy I leave. And like, that does help everything. You're such a light. I love it. I love it. I feel, and you really create such a, I don't know, this is like such a warm, open, secure connection that you create. Like, I feel like we haven't, I don't, I don't think we've had a face-to-face conversation in years. And I just feel like 
it's so easy to talk to you. I just keep thinking you're a Leo, right? Yeah, I am. Oh my God. I'm a Leo sun. Leo sun. Oh, go ahead. Tell me more. Yeah. Capricorn moon. Oh, wow. And Taurus rising. Oh my God. Wow. That's intense. All right. So you can definitely make things happen in a warm way, but that Capricorn moon, huh? Yeah. Emotionally, it's probably the, the, it is, they say the placement of the moon that is the most uncomfortable, Yeah. but I really do take it as like, honestly, like a really, it's just an amazing assignment too, because I'm like, maybe if I had some kind of Sagittarius moon or something that was like really open and easy that like, maybe this wouldn't, there's something in me with that Capricorn. That's very much discerning. Mm -hmm. So when it's, I can tell when it's safe for me to use this gift, but when it's not, I'm like, no, the fuck out of here. Right. I I mean, I actually, I have, I, I love quite a few Capricorn moons. Um, they're just, I just, I love it. I have a lot of compassion and respect for, for that energy. Yeah. And Leo, Leo son, I always thought if I have a kid, I, I want them to be a Leo. Yeah. Why? Why? Because, because I feel like it's like the sun. It's like, it's like, I mean, and I probably, this is a projection, obviously, of what I didn't get was that, like, you know, that recognition also of my, of my needs and celebration of my needs. And I feel like, like, like that Leo energy is really celebratory of like creation. And um, so I'm glad that you are celebrating your gifts and like, and that I get to be a part of yeah I I I'm so happy that we did this and like yeah I just thought of you immediately because I knew I was gonna get a really true honest interpretation of this you're a mystical person who's in a grounded very reality reality based job and that's really what honestly, I, I love that alchemy of both. Cause sometimes either one, when it's too far out is like, there's no balance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It's, it's really interesting to be in, to be in both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you would say, like maybe finally, like just to create a more secure relationship with yourself, if someone is listening and they're like, wow, I'm definitely anxious or I'm definitely avoidant and it's really hurting me and hurting the people around me. Um, where, where, where would someone start with that to, to heal that? Right. It's okay. I just want to say, like, it's okay. We all are. I, I think that the common humanity is like, it's okay, sweetie whatever, wherever you are, like just, you know, you even acknowledging that that is um, something that you struggle with is like, that is work. And that is, that also sends out a vibration of healing. Like you want to continue to have awareness, but awareness with compassion. And, you know, I don't know. Okay. Whatever. Roll your eyes too. But like meditation is like, I mean, it's real like being able to sit with like a mindfulness, self-compassion meditation, like just really accepting and embracing the moment yourself, like the, you know, the mind and all of the crazy things that it does naturally for all of us. Um, and, and creating that built in pause between acting, um, based on our thoughts. I think that that is really, but 
whatever. I mean, everybody talks about that, but it's real. It's real. Listen to it. Like do med meditation is great. For so meditation creates that space between action and thought for you. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, but the, 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 the space of meditation has to be a compassionate space. So whatever mm -hmm. arises, whatever thoughts, whatever patterns, whatever emotions arise, there has, it's like, how can I bring, how can I breathe compassion and understanding into this moment without judging it? Yeah. I could say more. It's also like, go where it's warm, you know? And also like, get you a therapist to, who, you who, who you feel like really sees you and if they don't tell them and if they can't see you after that leave them like also normalize sorry last thing um also normalize uh like being direct with your therapist practicing like if you are in therapy practicing secure attachment within that relationship you know practicing saying i didn't like it when you said that or like when you said that i felt like you were judging me or uh, what did you mean by that? Because I took it this way. So scary to do, but it is a great place to practice that. I'm telling you, it will trickle. Wow. Unless your therapist sucks. Yeah. Because not all therapists are created equal. But yeah, I know that that's a really great tip. Like practice it where, practice it there first, you know, because then you can really like learn from it. I used to people please my therapists. I think because I wanted to feel safe and then get help. So first I wanted them to warm up to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That honesty. That is so, I, I can relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't yeah. people please your therapist. It's not, well, but also, also if you find yourself doing that, like, that's great. Notice it, address it, do that oh, next yeah. step, you know? Because we're going to play out what we play out in other relationships with our therapists. You know, I'm a relational psychoanalyst um, and um, I'm all about like, let's analyze the dynamic between us. Like what's happening out there is happening in here and let's be a safe space to process that. And I think that active, actively can repair these attachment wounds. So totally. if you talk to your therapist, you might... You might not be in the right relationship, but try, try before you decide that. Don't just leave. Don't leave. Don't ghost your therapist, you know? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a beautiful, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful way to play with the original template, you know? It's, it's really, yeah. Like sort of bringing it back to the arts, like, it, yeah, just like bringing it to like that original canvas. We can't, we, we're given that damn canvas when you're little. Right. And it's like, here it is. And then you get to like play, but always having compassion for like, this is the canvas that you were given, you know? And we didn't even really talk about like that initial canvas and like all of the ways that it can go right or wrong. And, um, it's, that's a whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, that sounds amazing. I would love to do that one day. We could do that. <laughs> Great. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your openness 
so early and like you're the first person I'm talking to today and it's setting a really cool tone. And um, yeah, it's just, it's such a gift to have you. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Angelica. It's so nice to be with you this morning. First thing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh my God. Thank you so much for listening. If you got this far, honey, thank you. Feel free to write a review, to share it with someone who might dig it. If you got something out of this, let me know. I'm on Instagram, Angelica Pasquini. Uh, thank you to Raina. What a genius. Thank you to my editor, Dara, at Pure Wow for this iconic assignment. And thank you for listening. Call the hotline anytime, 201-898-2190. Would love to hear from you. All right, peace.